Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this week's podcast. The man behind the DPD machine here in Ireland, the duo behind a training course for sustainable food producers, and the young entrepreneur behind a new brand who contacted us directly on the programme. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. We've spoken to a lot of businesses this year that pivoted and did things differently, but there are businesses out there that had to really scale up to match a crisis that they didn't necessarily see coming. And my next guest is the head of a company that probably has visited your house this week, if not a few times this week, as is the case in my house. DPD CEO Des Travers, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, John. Thanks for having me on your show. I, I've become overly familiar with your service, if I can if I can put it that way. I mean, you guys have had such a busy year because of COVID. Yes, we're delighted to hear it. And COVID and uh, our own expansion plans meant that we've probably been to every household in Ireland uh, over the last week or month or so, and our volumes have just been exceptional. So we're very pleased with it. We're one of the few businesses that have actually benefited uh, through the pandemic. I see from the statistics you delivered 116,166 parcels a week in Cork in the 10 weeks running up to Christmas, which was double what you had done in the previous year. How difficult was it to scale up? Well, I mean, we uh, put it into context. We took three times the size of the warehouse in Little Island. If you go to our warehouse in Little Island now, you'll see that we're 76,000 square feet. Uh, we've got over 115 to 135 vans uh, a day at the moment in Cork. At the peak time, we had over 150 vans in Cork every day uh, doing deliveries. And uh, we've been to every corner of Cork and continue to do so. Uh, we've also uh, set up a depot in West Cork and Dunmanway, uh, which is brand new. And uh, we now have the uh, Dunmanway depot delivering all of West Cork for us. So. Uh, we've really scaled up quite substantially in Cork to meet that demand. The, the the traditional delivery method didn't like rural areas. It was too dispersed. And let's face it, Cork is a big county. I mean, Ireland is a big country, but Cork is a big county in particular. And it, it would have been kind of difficult to do it without volume. It, uh, yours is a volume business. So have you reached the volume now where it makes a lot more sense? Well, uh, critical mass certainly brings down cost, and and that our business is no different than anybody else. It's a cost-based business, and uh, you know we see routes that would have had fifty deliveries down into the peninsulas. Uh, you know, maybe a year, year and a half ago, now we could have two vans on there with ninety or a hundred deliveries on them. So yes, it has made a substantial difference to the size and scale and our ability to deliver the parcels on time. The type of parcel that you've delivered as well, I mean, if I'm looking at my own house, you've delivered flowers in the last week, you've delivered books, you've delivered all sorts of boxes, all shapes and sizes. Uh, You've expanded the portfolio, but I mean, that means you've had to bring in more people, you've had to bring in more vans. I mean, I'm pretty sure at some stage I did see couriers before Christmas driving around in rental cars. I mean, it was was a whole different ballgame. Yeah, look, the for instance, in the peak, you have to have the rental cars and you have to be able to flex up because for the six weeks of 
cyber, effectively you get a 40% increase and then that drops down to about 20% in January. So you have this peak that you need to be able to meet that requirement, but yet you don't need it for the whole year. Now, in many cases, we I think we took on about 800 people last year and the vast majority of them were in the vans or in the hub and, uh, and we continue to grow as a business and we'll continue to take people on and and as I say, we always say to people, if you're good and you want to come and join us, then come on to our careers page and and, uh, and we'll certainly be uh, interviewing you and looking for other people right throughout this year as well. It's a rising tide that lifted a couple of bolts. Unpost would have been in a very difficult space and had been scaling back quite significantly. Somewhat to their detriment when this came around because it allowed you guys and other private operators to sneak in. I mean, you've taken... A lot of business from them, and many ways you're eating Unpost dinner. Well, I, I, uh, I have a great admiration for Unpost, Jonathan, and you might be uh, interested to know. And uh, they have made their own decisions and their own choices and what they're doing in the marketplace, and uh, they still are a very healthy competitor, as far as we're concerned. You know, they, they've made uh, some moves in Cork, which obviously. Uh, you know, didn't go down too well. But the reality is that there's still a very strong competitor and a very strong business. And we, we you know, we respect them and we'll always uh, be keeping a close eye on them. Mm. Um, your story is interesting, Des, because you're now chief executive of the largest parcel delivery company in the country. I think that the revenue is about 100 million. But you left school at 19 uh, to become an apprentice welder. How did an apprentice welder fall in to logistics? Well, first of all, I think that you'll probably get a revenue about half what it is, Jonathan, to be fair. <laughs> uh, so, Happy so to correct the record. We'll just, we'll just correct the records on that one because we're, uh, we're about to break another barrier this year in our revenue and it'll be over the 200 million. But um, look, I, I started, uh, came over here for a two-week holiday uh, 42 years ago and I started uh, through no... Uh, probably luck rather than anything else. I started as a, de- a delivery driver for DHL and uh, and I've worked my way through parcels for 40 years now to get to where I am today and I'm delighted that my journey has been a successful one and, uh, and a very pleasurable one. How sustainable is that growth? If you're going to break the 200 million mark this year, which is great for the business, obviously, and for your staff and, and, and it, it gives you a, a momentum, which is very important in any business. But when the retailers reopen, when we do go back to traditional retail, we can buy things. Are you going to see a lot of that fall away? So, you know, you're at the top of the roller coaster now. Are you staring down into a dip? Well, I don't think we're staring down into a dip, but we don't want to grow at the levels that we've grown at for the last two years, uh, to be honest with you, because the pace and the, the, the pressure and the energy that you need to be able to actually do that continually uh, is not sustainable. And we would like to uh, get back to where we were before, which is double-digit growth. And with double-digit growth, you can build your infrastructure and your hub. And, you know, we we will uh, build a new hub in the next two years uh, because our hub is now full and those investments uh, need need a lot of cash. And we need to go back to our owners in La Poste and ask them for that money. And uh, there, so you can't keep doing that and uh, keep scaling up at the rate we're scaling up at. So we're quite happy if we actually go to double-digit growth in the coming years once the pandemic's over. Mm. And how much do you think will be sustained? The people have gotten a taste for online shopping now. And let's face it, it's a lot easier than it used to be. Um, Do you think that online 
I mean, we're, we're still buying from the same retailers. We're just not physically going to the shop. Do you think a lot of that is here to stay? Yeah, I think that everybody uh, of all age groups are now all buying online. And it's like uh, everything else that becomes a habit. And and it, when people realise how easy it is and that you weren't going to be robbed and there wasn't fraudsters all sitting around the corner waiting for you to click and uh, and all those things, then basically uh, they, they begin to like it. The second thing about online is it gives you a lot more choice because you can choose anywhere and, and you can buy anything from any website and it'll arrive at your door through DPD. So um, I think it's, it's a set, very successful uh, way to do business and it's certainly people seem mm. to enjoy it and we're reaping the benefits of it. Uh, you, you saw this huge growth, as we talked about, the, the 116,000 packages in Cork. Uh, I think something like 35 million packages last year. Yeah. Not everything goes smoothly. Uh, and like everything, you're a consumer-facing business and and things go wrong. And, and people have complaints. There was a lot of people giving out about stuff going missing and deliveries being missed. How do you manage expectations when you're when you're trying to move logistics like you do and not everything can happen as smoothly as you like. Well, I think that everybody's got to accept that it always doesn't go 100% right as much as you'd like it. And certainly from where the seat that I sit in, you know, you like to think that the uh, number of times that it goes wrong against the number of times that it goes right is minuscule. And uh, and generally speaking, it is. But when it does go wrong, then you like to have the, the tools and the people uh, to be able to help you to repair that damage and to be able to make the experience a positive one for the consumer, albeit the fact that they haven't got a parcel when they expect to get it. So we spend a lot of time uh, just both analysing where we went wrong and why we went wrong, but then also trying to make sure that the, when it does go wrong that we deal with the consumer in a way that at least they've got the information now. Sometimes we even fail at that. It's, you know, we, we're, we're sometimes not as good at that as I would like, but it's a strong focus for the business. And uh, it's something that we're just continually trying to improve on all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and with the volumes that you're doing as well, inevitably things are going to go wrong. But we've a very crowded marketplace right now. Um, you've got yourselves, you've got Unpost, you've got DHL, you have got Fastway, you have got UPS. Are they all going to survive? Are you all going to keep yeah. growing with the way that you've been growing? Or are we eventually going to see consolidation in the sector? Uh I don't think we'll, I don't think I think we'll all survive, and we'll all survive in different ways. We'll have different strategies and different approaches, and uh, some people like all things in uh, this uh, our market and any other businesses market. Then you'll have winners and losers uh, in terms of market share. But I don't think that there's any risk of any of the businesses that you mentioned there um, doing anything uh, that's going to change the world uh, that they won't survive for sure. Well, Des, I have to say that the DPD guy who calls to our house was one of the few people we saw during lockdown. Uh, And as a result, we did get a little bit of a thrill every time the doorbell went. And I'm sure we're not alone in that, which is a kind of a weird place for any brand to be in, to have that kind of emotional connection. But yet, yet we had it in the last 12 months and we salute you and and your, your small army of delivery people across Ireland who kept things moving and more importantly, kept people connected with other businesses uh, who were trying to trade through. But uh, for now, CEO of DPD Ireland, Des Travers, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Okay, thank you, Jonathan. Goodbye. Red Business.
all that's best about business in Cork. My next two guests uh, would actually form a really good crime-fighting duo on an 80s US TV series. Uh, James Hogan and Declan Bogan. Hogan and Bogan, how are you, gents? <laughs> I'm great. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Very good. Uh, I, I don't think you necessarily would have expected to be fighting crime, but you are fighting something else, uh, uh, which, which is fighting on behalf of the environment. Let's talk about what each of you do. James, you're with the Clean Technology Centre, which is at MTU. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, so the Clean Technology Centre has been around quite a while now, um, and we assist business with sustainability issues. Uh, we look at waste prevention. We look at um, carbon so we, we deal with all the issues to deal with sustainability in business. Hmm. All the things that nobody gave a second thought to uh, until relatively recently, and now we realise how important they are. Declan, you're with Clearstream Solutions. I am. I work on uh, I, I, to Clearstream Solutions. I work with Sustub, and Sustub is our training business where we actually work with uh, both small and large organisations on building their awareness and their learnings around sustainability, around the circular economy, around carbon footprinting. And beyond that, then we actually work with organizations on making it real. So developing out their strategy, their plans, and then helping them to realize the value that they can generate uh, out of sustainability. I've come from the world, uh, Jonathan, originally of strategy and innovation and applying that logic as well into just good business practice. Yes, which uh, I think everybody benefits from once they realise that they have an issue that they need to address. Now, Hogan and Bogan were brought together by CCAD because CCAD have launched a sustainability training programme for food businesses across the South and West. And I, I suppose, James, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get to these producers to, to get them to embed sustainability in what they do rather than try to bolt it on or, or get, make it an afterthought. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, sustainability is something that businesses have been doing always. Um, you know, to be sustainable means to be efficient with your resources, to manage your resources, not to have too much waste, to make sure you're managing your energy, your water, etc., your raw materials. So every business is doing that anyway. And uh, so what we will be doing is trying to uh, increase the efficiency of the businesses by focusing in on where the waste is and identifying where we can actually tackle waste. Um, so, you know, we'd be looking at benchmarking the business to see how much waste they're producing, say, per, per tonne of product or looking at how much energy they're using per tonne of product. And by doing that, we'd be able to hone in on, on where there are opportunities for the business. Yeah. Uh, um, you're, Declan, when you talk about innovating uh, down to zero, I mean, the, the idea of zero waste it's kind of many people would view it as pie in the sky you're going to generate waste particularly if you're involved in the food sector there's a lot of food waste um that is generated even with the best intention in the world how can they possibly innovate down to zero so jonathan there's it's it's a mindset change so if you aim for zero then you're going in the right direction if you just accept waste as waste and it's sort of it's just a cost then you'll treat it like so if you suddenly call waste resource and then assign a value to it, it just gets you to a different mindset. So when we say innovate to zero, you know, we're saying like sort of let's change the word waste in our business to resource. And suddenly when it, if it gives it a new title, it helps us think differently about it. Uh, and the concept of zero sort of goes back to a, a, a very deep innovation principle that, you know, if we have free from zero, none, 
Um, it just helps us to think very differently about everything in our business. Um, so if it's free from X, if there's no waste, zero waste, um, suddenly you go, wow, sort of if I think that way, then maybe I've got to come up with more innovative solutions to do with the materials that are end, at the end of my process. Uh, that typically would have been dumped, that would have been in landfill. And the inherent value in those is not being achieved. Mm. There, there is, of course, opportunity in crisis, James, because we, we're just coming out the back of uh, an absolutely massive upheaval caused by COVID-19, and, and we're not out of it yet by any stretch. Uh, but even domestically, I've noticed now that we're doing one shop, that's it, food is coming in and we're getting rid of all that food so there's very little waste by the end of the week we've gotten better at managing it do you think a lot of businesses will have also learned from the last 12 months because everybody was paying a hell of a lot more of attention to what they were producing what they were using and what they were wasting and we all didn't waste very much mm, I'd like I'd like to think so um, it's, 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 sometimes when businesses some businesses are getting busier during the, the, the um, lockdown so uh, when businesses get busy, they tend to waste more. And when when they have time off, and so, a certain sector would have let more time, for example, the restaurants association or the restaurants and hotels, they have a great opportunity now to focus in on where the waste is. And one of the things we actually noticed with some hotels is the hotels are shut down, yet they're using a whole lot of electricity. And they're saying, why are we using so much electricity? It's because you still have to, a base load of electricity has to be used. And they begin to realize we can try and tackle that base load and reduce it. So that's actually leading to, to surprising um, consumption levels amongst hoteliers, for example. Mm. There's a small bit of a disconnect, Declan, between um, the user being the problem um, and the realisation of, of that user that they are the problem. You know, Everyone talks about these sustainable development goals and 2030 is mentioned the whole time. We've never actually drilled it down to the end user it's 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 almost like it's it's an awful problem i can't wait until they fix it when realistically we're all the they look so it's all about taking responsibility on anything uh in this world like i where i live you know people still dump rubbish on the side of the road uh so there's there's bad practices in in, in many walks of life you know if you look at the youth coming through uh they are demanding and when they go for job interviews they're asking the employers what's your sustainability credentials what are you guys doing so they are demanding more of a change i think what needs to happen jonathan is that sustainability needs to be built into the products that we buy how we buy where we buy uh, and change some fundamental behaviors of how we engage with the products and services that we buy uh, and the SDGs as a mechanism were developed for countries to help them to actually frame their thinking and to actually enable, you know, a mindset change in businesses to actually come up with clever solutions, whether it's a, an organization that, look, sustainability used to be around when we used to have our milk bottles and delivered and then we'd sort of we'd leave them on our doorstep we they, they couldn't back full that's the circular economy that's sustainability we've lost sight of good practices that we've that have been in our culture and mm. in, in our world over the last number of years uh jonathan so yeah. we as users have the options if the options are given to us and i think we're quite happy to embrace those if they're sold to us properly properly and the stories 
makes sense to us. Yeah, I mean, th- there are lots of parts to this course. It's free, by the way, uh, from CCAD. You talk about sustainability, food and the environment, resource efficiency, climate change, communication, managing waste, design thinking and innovation. James, if you were to give one bit of advice to the businesses that are listening right now, particularly if they're involved in food production, artisan food or whatever it may be, what is that one bit of advice? Uh, come and join the course. <laughs> Make it a bit broader than that, James. Come on, people are listening in. Well, you know, I think this is a great opportunity. Um, we've put together a course with 10 modules, very, very uh, interesting topics. Um, the trainers are, have a lot of in-depth knowledge of each of the subjects. And the fact that it's free, I think it's a great opportunity for business to come along, um, listen to what we have to say, uh, take on board the um, the learnings. And there's also a practical aspect to this in that, you know, when we are discussing resource efficiency or carbon management, we will be asking them to, to take on board some of the practical steps and take it back into their business. And there will be one-on-one training where we will be able to go on site and do a walk around and identify opportunities for the business. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, I think, you know, that there should be a rush of people in to try and get into this course because the places are limited. Um, and I would certainly recommend it. Okay, well, if you Google CCAD, S-E-C-A-D, and just look for the Sustainable Food Training Programme, all of the details uh, will come up for you there. But uh, for now, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. Declan Brogan of Clearstream Solutions and James Hogan, Programme Manager at the Clean Technology Centre at MTU. Thanks for joining us at Red Business, lads. Thank you. Thank you very much. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Now, my next guest is a young entrepreneur who had a good idea during COVID that he is rolling out, uh, despite his tender age of 23. David Leonard, how are you? How are you, Jonathan? I'm absolutely fantastic. How are you keeping? I'm good. Great to talk to you. Tell me a little bit about iGuy. Are you the iGuy? You are. I am that famous iGuy that has been spread around social media from top to bottom from fantastic support of Cork people. But yes, indeed. I am the CEO, the founder of iGuy, selling Blue Lens glasses into the market, firstly of Cork and expanding to Ireland. And I've just recently just gotten clients from Dubai, Germany and uh, Netherlands. So it's been fantastic. So tell me what blue eye glasses are um, and, and why would I need them? So Blue Lens glasses, as you could all imagine, during COVID, we are constantly on digital devices from working on our laptop screens, from just being on our phones and then watching, cramming into our Netflix series that we all love, we're all guilty for. But at this stage, we're all used to this blue light that emits from our laptops. And this is actually an effective light that uh, prevents, causes headaches, eye strains, you can get resulting in a a lack of sleep, etc. So the blue lens glasses prevents this blue light from being emitted into your eyes. So this helps with all these kind of problems. And it's funny enough, Jonathan, what happened to me was how I actually even thought of this idea was I was back in September and I was there at my computer and I was like, I get so many of these headaches and whatnot. I said, I'll go and get a, my eyes tested. Went to get the eyes tested anyway. And the man said, no, you have 20-20 vision. And I was just like, I don't understand this at all. So I went and got myself a pair of blue lens. And I tell you, they were the best investment that I had in a long while. So then I decided... Okay, so... Go on. Bear, bear in mind, you're not an optician. So how did you know this was going to work? 
So I, I know it was going to work is from my own pre personal experience, as well as looking into the market at this and looking at the, like my competitors, as well as also seeing that this blue light, there's a lens covered around it that blocks out this blue light that is emitted into your eyes. So exactly, yes, I'm not an optician, but absolutely selling this platform as a brand, keeping that like positive energy. Of course, it's really important to mind yourself, the mindfulness side of it, as well as also selling the product of Blue Lens. So um, what's the plan? Global domination, I'm presuming, given that you're a very enthusiastic young entrepreneur. But uh, l let's let's get everything in, in, in the right order. You studied business, did you? I did indeed, yeah. So I did finance for my uh, undergraduate and I'm currently in the Netherlands studying a master's. So I first went into the uh, Irish market and I've been over in Ireland for Christmas. My Christmas was expanded for about four months. <laughs> so it was a long Christmas, but I decided to do the idea there. And now I'm back in Netherlands and a bit of insider information, I am going to be expanding to the Netherlands. So as you say, it's market domination worldwide. And I am here, I have that fire in my belly now to just go for it. So exciting times ahead. Okay. There's lots of things you could have done at 23. I don't think I'd done anything constructive at 23, realistically. <laughs> I think I'd started my career in journalism at that point, but that was about as far as I got. Are you going to do other projects? You're obviously going to focus on this for now, but is there are there many other ideas in that big head of yours? Well, look, let's just say, I guess, glasses won't be the only product from iGuy. Well, blue lens glasses won't be the only product from iGuy. And for the moment, I think it's a really important area. As I say, I'm not an optician, however... Our eyesight is so important. It's one of the senses that we are actually getting affected. And if you look at research, our eyesight compared to the past years or whatever over decades has actually disimproved. So it definitely is a market that I'm going to look into. And you'll just have to wait and see and give it a follow on my page to see what's up next. Well, David, we love speaking to every business uh, in Cork, whatever stage of the journey that they're at. Uh, and, and this episode is the prime example of that. You uh, obviously have a great career ahead of you. you. There's no shortage of confidence, but you got in contact with Red FM to tell the story of iGuy.eu, which is our website. Thank you so much for sharing the story with us. Uh, and uh, good luck to you, David Leonard, the iGuy. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It's an absolute pleasure. And thank you to Red FM as well. A fantastic radio station and I said I'd have to being a Cork startup it was the first place to go so thank you oh yeah you said you said all the right saying things saying all the right things <laughs> well thanks to all of my guests good luck to David in particular starting out on his entrepreneurial journey don't forget all episodes of Red Business are available for download now from redextra.ie Kieran McDonough produced again this week and I'll catch you on the next one Red Business Cork's exclusive business podcast